Welcome to Table Talk. This is a podcast where we discuss issues of church theology and culture. My name's Andrew Hall, and I'm the lead pastor here at CBC Elderton. Today, I have the privilege of having a good friend sitting across from me on the table, and his name is Ian Valancourt. Ian is the Associate Professor of Old Testament at Heritage College and Seminary in Cambridge, Ontario. Ian, great to have you here today. Good to be here. Yeah. Uh, Ian, you and I have known each other probably about 17, almost 18 years, over 18 years to now, I guess. Uh, our wives were pregnant when we met. Yeah, uh, so we can, always, we can always bookmark it. We know how long <laughs> we've known each other because just add a few months to my son's life. Right? That's right. <laughs> how did we meet, Ian? It was yeah. an unusual circumstance. Yeah, we were, at, we were both at a pastor's conference that neither one of us wanted to be at, and we kind of had to go. And we're riding an escalator toward a session and we just struck up a conversation on the escalator and (laughs) we found kindred spirit at this conference. And you were from way Northern Ontario at the time. And I was in the greater Toronto area pastoring and uh, kept in touch, been friends ever since. It's amazing what uh, what an escalator ride can do for your life. That's Uh, right. Uh, I know you were very instrumental in my life um, when I was looking to go to seminary. You led me and pointed me to uh, the church that I attended in Louisville. You had um, some very helpful things to say. And uh, when I came back to Ontario, we rekindled more of a tighter relationship and friendship. Uh, so I'm glad to have you here today. Um, Ian's written a couple of books and uh, I'm really excited. You've been influential for me in terms of thinking about the Psalms. Uh, we'll talk about that in another podcast. But uh, today I wanted to start off by talking about uh, a book that you wrote on the first five books of the Old Testament, the Pentateuch. Um, Ian, what, what's the book? And do you want to tell us how did it come about? Okay, the book is called The Dawning of Redemption, uh, The Story of the Pentateuch and the Hope of the Gospel. And it is written f- specifically for people who thoughtful Christians who maybe have never been to seminary. And I, I, I've had feedback from people in seminary or pastors that there's meat in there, that, but it's accessible. So it's, it's, it's not kind of for the specialist, it's for the everyday Christian. Um, and it came about, um, I teach a Pentateuch class at Heritage Seminary, and I, I love doing that. And just the, the discipline of being assigned to teach that class I had to think, okay, I've got 12 sessions, two and a half hours of lecture content per session or whatever it is. Okay, what do I need to say about the Pentateuch? And this book is really, um, I love biblical theology, how the Bible fits together and tracing themes through scripture and, and things like that. And there's a biblical theological thread through my Pentateuch course. And the, the way I did it, when I was pitching this book to the publisher, I, I, I said, it's kind of skimming the biblical theological cream off of my Pentateuch course. And so that's a, a lot of how it came about. So I, I know that you and I have connected on many levels, not only escalators. Uh, we've also, um, I know you were really helpful for me when I was uh, preaching through the book of Leviticus and we, we had some commonalities there. Um, why why title the book The Dawning of Redemption? When we think of the Pentateuch, we often, I, I think people have an idea that, well, you know, we're, we're just getting the story started. 
why the dawning of redemption? Well, the first reason is the dawning of redemption is you and I came up with the title together. So <laughs> that's a little known. A little known fact is, and this is a side note, but hey, we're on a podcast. You said it's free flowing, Andrew. Yes. So, um, a little side note, authors don't get to pick their titles. And I didn't know that until I became an author. <laughs> and um, and so you and I kind of, I was really thankful, Andrew, um, read my manuscript for me and gave feedback. And he was one of the people that helped me refine my thinking a little bit. And I was thinking about a title, like I can say a working title in a book proposal. And uh, you and I kind of in a conversation on the phone came up with the dawning of redemption and then then the subtitle. And um, when I pitched it, um, the acquisitions editor said, yeah, sometimes those make it through, but almost never. And then when I had, uh, when I had the supper with him and we were in Denver together at a, at an academic conference in the fall. And he said, you nailed the title. I'm like, <laughs> thanks to my friend, Andrew. And I, you know, that's too much credit for me. Yeah, that's well. Um, but yeah, he said, you almost never see those go through. It's always a titling committee comes up with those. So anyway, um, so I've got a future career in book titles is what you're you saying. You should be on a titling committee, actually. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah. Um, so that's how we came out. That's the kind of the funny story of how it came up with the title. But um, really the Bible starting at Genesis 3.15 is the first glimmer of gospel hope in the Bible. And it's, it's um, after the fall into sin and so, you know, in Genesis 1, you've got creation. Mm-hmm. And I call that in the book, the theater of redemption. And then the Garden of Eden is Genesis 2, 4 to 3, 24. And I call that the, um, the promise of redemption. And you've got the, temp- the template for redemption in, in uh, G- Genesis 2 and the, the Eden. And then Genesis 3, the need for redemption, the fall into sin. But right in the middle of this bleak blackness, um, after the, the the man and the woman have have chosen to sin against God, um, there's Yahweh God is cursing um, the serpent, and as part of that, he says um, the seed of the serpent is going to crush the heel of the seed of the woman, and the seed of the woman is going to crush the head of the seed of the serpent. And what what is all that language and and um, but it's a picture of the gospel and it's, it's something we wouldn't fully understand until more light is shed on the gospel as the story of scripture progresses. But that's what, what we, we might call that the first glimmer of gospel hope in the Bible. Um, theologians have called it the proto gospel. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I like to say to my kids, how do you, how do you kill a snake? Well, if you cut off his tail, he's going to slither away. Yeah. If you cut him in two, he's going to slither away. You got to crush his head or cut off his head. Yeah. And um, how does a poisonous snake kill a person? Well, they reach the heel and they, they inject the poison. And it's, a, it's this mm-hmm. picture of this mutual deaths happening. And so, um, yeah, that's the first glimmer of gospel hope and go from there. So when people typically start a Bible reading program, they'll start in Genesis, they'll go strong, they'll get midway through, probably after the Ten Commandments in the book of Exodus, Exodus 20, 
And then the stories start to get kind of strange. And then there's all sorts of descriptions about tabernacle, the tabernacle and the building of it. And then there's sacrifices. There's all sorts of genealogies throughout, Mm -hmm. uh, especially the book of Genesis, but they'll reappear elsewhere. Um, and, And often then we get this idea like, wow, like the story started really well, but man, this is so confusing. So what would you say to a person who's getting into their Bible reading and they're looking at, well, I started off strong, but man, some of this stuff is just so confusing to me. Well, it's a little bit of a, like on my, on my uh, Apple Maps app on my phone or Apple CarPlay, I've got the aerial view and I've got the street level view. And I, I, I prefer the aerial view. I can see the big picture. And that's a little bit of why I wrote this book. It's, it's giving a bit of an aerial view mm-hmm. of, okay, here's the, here's the roadmap. Here's the big picture of what's going on. Um, and by no means is, is this the only book or anything, but it's my effort, my goal in this book is to help equip people to then go chapter by chapter. So let's trace nine key themes through the Pentateuch and see not only why those themes are important, but the connection between those things and Jesus mm-hmm. as the fulfillment of the, of, the, of the Old Testament hope. And then, then when you're going chapter by chapter, you know, reading a genealogy, Genesis 5, Genesis 10, Genesis 36, it's still, let's face it, not going to be riveting <laughs> every time. Oh, and he died too, you know, but, um, but you can see why they're there. Like I've got a chapter on genealogy here mm-hmm. in the book and, and okay, this is why it's here and this is where it's going. And so there's a theological purpose there. So I, I'm using words like biblical theology and theological, blah, blah, blah. I don't use those words in the book. Right. I, I'm, I'm using more simple language. So I should, I should hedge that a little bit. But um, yeah, so I, my answer is you need a big picture roadmap. And same thing with the latter half of Exodus. You've got <laughs> 20 to 24, you've got these instructions from Yahweh. Yeah. Um, and then 25 to 40, you know, you've got, here's what to do to build the tabernacle in the first part. And the last part, they're building the tabernacle. And it's just like, this is repetitive and this is really detailed. And in the middle, you got the golden calf. And yeah. okay, maybe I can milk some devotional stuff out of that. But what do we do with like cherubim on curtains? Right. And well, they're there for a reason. Yeah. And when you see the link between the cherubim on curtains, to Garden of Eden and exit out of Eden after the fall into sin and what guards the way to the tree of life, it's cherubim and flaming sword. So, and so the symbol there into the, Mm. on the curtains that enter into Yahweh's presence in the tabernacle is you're re-entering Eden, you're re-entering God's presence. So it's, it's, when you start to kind of okay, let's see how some of those themes tie together. And I, we, just, we just made that observation right now from Genesis 3 all the way to, you know, you know embroidering curtains right. in the latter part of, of Exodus. And just, oh, that's why that's there. Right. That's why that's important. Yeah. It's a first step toward re-entering Yahweh's perfect presence that was experienced in Eden and then lost in the fall into sin. And it's ultimately going to be fulfilled at the end of Revelation. So, yeah, it's, I think it's wonderful to when the when when we start. D. A. Carson puts it 
how to put our Bibles together. Mm-hmm. I really like that kind of, okay, the Bible actually fits together. Um, yeah, anyway. it's. I think one of the things that we have to work through is we have a certain perception of what story is or narrative. And yet the Pentateuch, the first five books that Moses has given to us, um, they've really functioned as this ongoing story uh, from beginning of Genesis 1-1 all the way to the end of of Deuteronomy where where Moses passes away and the people are preparing to enter into the land. It's it's as though we don't understand how genealogies fit into stories or how these descriptions fit into stories. And we've got covenants and we've got the giving of law and we've got blessings and curses. And so I think as modern readers, we feel a distance from that and we don't understand that an ancient reader would have seen this as just one continuous story. Yeah, this isn't John Grisham. It's, right. It's, uh, it's written differently. It's an ancient <laughs> Hebrew culture. It's 3,500 years ago when these events took place-ish. Um, you know, the Exodus or, or around, that, around that time period. And, but when we, when we start understanding the, the ancient Hebrew mind and how it worked and then why these things are here, and then we start tracing the themes. It's, it's wonderful that all these different authors throughout scripture over a period of likely 1500, 1600 years writing um, and how incredibly well the Bible fits together. Uh-huh. It's, just, it's just absolutely beautiful. And it's the only explanation is there's ultimately one author who is yes. God, right? It's a divine book. So... So when we think about the Pentateuch, then we've got this initial gospel promise in Genesis three fifteen mm-hmm. that that there's going to be the serpent biting the heel of the the son the the seed of the woman, but he's going to crush the head of of the serpent. Um, we've got these we've got these gospel pictures, but it's like it's in a shadow form. Mm-hmm. Um, you've already said like this is pointing us to Christ. It's easy to see maybe from Genesis 3.15, how we're looking forward to Jesus. But how does the Pentateuch build as a story to point us to Jesus? Uh, well, ultimately, it's a, it's a story of redemption. So it begins, with, um, it begins with creation and then moves to the fall into sin. And then starting at Genesis 3.15, really to the end of Revelation, Yeah. Um, so the bulk of the Bible is the story of God redeeming a people for himself. That's the theme of the entire Bible, except for the very, very beginning and the very, very end, the first few chapters and the last few chapters. The bulk of the Bible story is the story of God redeeming a people for himself. And we say redemption is, um, a quick definition is, you know, purchasing someone out of, of a situation over which they're helpless. So if someone's a slave, Mm-hmm. They they're helpless. They can't do anything to earn their way out. They're they're owned by another, and but but some a family member comes in and pays a big, great quantity of money, and that person's not a slave anymore. They've been redeemed. Mm-hmm. And you got this picture in uh, you know Exodus, the greatest act of redemption in the entire Old Testament, where um, God's people were slaves in Egypt, you know, million people or so, and. And God redeems, Yahweh redeems them out of slavery in Egypt to himself. So um, I say the dawning of redemption because the first five books of the Bible begin that macro story of redemption. Mm. 
if redemption is a, you know, someone purchasing someone out of a situation over which they're powerless, isn't it wonderful how the biblical authors adopt that language to describe what God has done for his people? And, and so, um, yeah, anyway. So, w- when we think about a dawning, that means that it hasn't fully been realized. That's right, yeah. So, the first question I would have then is, what comes after the dawning of redemption? Uh, well, the, the rest of the story unfolds through the Old Testament before the climax is reached in Jesus. So, you might call it the unfolding of redemption. And you've got these other books that tell story. And this is a whole, there's a whole long conversation we could have about what order they come in. But let's just put that aside for now. And let's just say, um, let's stick with the order I'm about to say. <laughs> and, you know, in the Hebrew Old Testament, the, um, the most, um, the earliest available Hebrew order um, has after the Pentateuch has Joshua, Judges, Samuel, and Kings. Yeah. And they unfold the story of redemption more. And then you've got a pause in the story Hmm. and you've got what I think Steve Dempster calls commentary. Some I might call message or heralds of redemption. You've got these prophets um, that that are speaking their message. You've got... Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Isaiah, and the 12, what Christians often call minor prophets. Then you got Ruth as kind of a preface to the third section of the Old Testament in the, in the Hebrew order. But then you got Psalms, um, Job, Proverbs, um, Ecclesiastes, and, and it goes on ultimately to, and then you got the story starting again. Mm-hmm. And you've got Daniel, Esther, Ezra and Nehemiah Chronicles. And so the Hebrew Old Testament is broken up into three sections. And roughly speaking, the, the, the first part, the first half of that second section is story. And the last half of the third section is story. And in the middle, there's the book of Ruth as a, and it functions in a certain way. And so the rest of the story unfolds before we reach the climax in Jesus. So, uh, then the obvious question, you've written a book called The Dawning of Redemption. Is there something that's going to follow up from this book? Uh, well, Lord willing, no contract yet. So nothing <laughs> definitive, but I, I have been working on it. Yeah. I've read some sample chapters, so uh, I kind of knew the answer to that question. Yeah, you but do. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, if uh, people want to get a hold of this book, how would they do that, Ian? Uh Wherever books are sold, I, I, it's available. Amazon and Indigo Chapters, um, Barnes and Noble, all that stuff online. Um, you can get it directly from Crossway, the publisher. If you live in Canada, which a lot of listeners here do, Amazon's probably your best bet. Probably cheapest shipping and all that. If you're in the states, you owe you favored people when it comes to shipping. You don't have to pay for anything at the border and to get it in, but. Uh, Crossway often has sales and and this kind of thing. So you can get it directly from the publisher. Ian, Crossway.org. So. Yeah, Crossway is the publisher. Ian, great to have you uh, share with us today about the dawning of redemption, but more specifically about the hope of the gospel in the first five books of the Old Testament. Uh, the book is entitled The Dawning of Redemption, The Story of the Pentateuch and the Hope of the Gospel. Uh, Ian Valancourt, 
Uh, he is the associate professor or assistant professor of Old Testament at Heritage Seminary in Cambridge. Thanks for uh, joining us and filling us in today on this podcast. Thank you.